Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here bringing you another episode of the Business of Podcasting. Now, today, my guest is the one and only Molly Pittman. Now, Molly is one of the world's leading digital strategists and educators and is now responsible for training more than 10,000 people on digital marketing. Now, on top of that, she's also the co-host of the Perpetual Traffic podcast. Now, this podcast has been downloaded more than 4 million times. That is not a mistake. Four million times. And I think that's just a phenomenal achievement in podcasting. Now, what I love about this conversation with Molly is she doesn't just speak from the perspective of her own show. She's not just talking about her own perpetual traffic show and what that experience is like. She's also trained quite a number of people on how to use digital marketing strategies to grow their podcast. So she's got this really unique approach from being in the trench herself and then also helping others succeed, which I think is a phenomenal place to be operating from. Now, in this actual episode, we cover so many things that I think will be incredibly valuable to your podcast and helping you grow and monetize your podcast. But I want to riff off on what you're going to get to look forward to in this actual episode. So number one is we're going to go into how to use social media and paid ads to promote your podcast well and what's actually working for Molly and then what's not working. And I think you've got to really pay attention to the what's not working or hasn't worked for them because you could be headed down that path and we can save you a whole heap of trouble by just modeling what is working for a phenomenal show already. The next thing we dig into is the importance of your podcast titles and how to create better podcast titles. Now, you've got to think of this. This is your opportunity. You've got to earn the right for someone to come in and capture them to your audience. And Molly really digs into how important the titles are in doing that. The next thing we talk about is the importance of playing the long game in podcasting. And this is a really a point I agree with heavily is that you've got to take a very long-term approach. It's not about putting one episode up or 10 episodes up. You've got to be in this for the long haul to really reap that compound interest and rewards from there. So we're going to head into this episode now. I think it's a phenomenal one you're really going to enjoy. But just before I do, if you do like the business of podcasting, please make sure to like and subscribe to this show. Now, I've actually put together some goodies for you to help you with your own podcast as well. So if you would like to get a copy of our new resources, which is the 11 pillars of a highly profitable podcast, then please head over to Media slash resources. Sorry, I'll make sure we have a link in the description and you can head over to there and get a whole bunch of things to help you with your podcast. So let's dig into this podcast now. Let's head over to the episode. Welcome to the show, Molly Pittman. Hey, Charlie. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you so much for making the time to come on our show. I know you're a very busy person and doing all kinds of amazing things uh, on the internet and in the world. (laughs) So joining me today from Amsterdam, which is very exciting again, but today we are here to talk all about podcasts. So for those of you that don't know you, can you please give us a brief overview of what you do and tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a digital marketing educator I have a few programs that help people become better media buyers. My true love is Facebook ads. And I've been really in Facebook ads about seven or eight years now. I started as an intern at Digital Marketer back in 2012. I knew nothing about uh, this world or digital marketing at all. 
And over the next few years, I worked my way up to VP of marketing. That's where I learned uh, paid traffic and digital marketing. And then about two years ago, I went out on my own and now have some of my own programs with Ezra Firestone. But back in 2015, while I was a digital marketer, I did start a podcast with two of my friends. And the podcast is called Perpetual Traffic. And it's all about paid traffic. We talk about Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, other related topics, and really everything that you need to know to grow your business online today. So I love podcasting. I was telling you before we started recording that podcasting has changed my life. (laughs) So I love talking to a a group of podcasters and I commend you guys for what you do because I know it's a lot of hard work. It certainly is, but um, I couldn't agree more. Podcasting has changed my life as well. We sound a little bit biased, but it certainly has been hugely influential. And I think you're underselling it. You have a phenomenally successful show, Perpetual Traffic. It is certainly one of the bigger podcasts out there and very entertaining and exciting. But I want to set the stage a little bit. We both spoke at James Tramko's event this year at the time of the recording. And what was really surprising as like I was at the event and your presentation was uh, later in the day than mine. And I got to later in the day and I thought you just delivered this killer presentation. It was a presentation that I was unexpectedly awesome on social media and it was a lot of new and diverse things that just I was really impressed by. But that actually sent me down the rabbit hole of investigating your show and <laughs> listening to it. It was the nice segue into actually understanding it. So I kind of wanted to give people some context of how we first interacted and what impressed me and sent me down that rabbit hole. But I wanted to ask, what led you to podcasting itself? So I actually didn't have any specific interest in podcasting, but my friend Keith Kranz, he was looking to start a podcast and he and Ralph were going to start the podcast and they were looking for a third co-host and someone, you know, hopefully a female who was really into paid advertising. And so they asked me to jump on the boat and that's when we got started. So I actually didn't have the intention to start this show. It kind of just fell in my lap. But I'm so glad that it did. So what are some of the benefits you've seen from having a podcast? Oh, my goodness. I mean, honestly, I would say of any content marketing medium um, or even relationship building technique when it comes to marketing, podcasting is probably the one that builds the relationship with the audience in the strongest way, in my opinion. Like, definitely more so than a blog. I would even say probably more more than a video show even. I mean, you, you can have the best of both worlds like you have here um, or more than, you know, some sort of lead magnet or a free video series opt-in. I mean, a podcast is, it's very intimate and I'm sure people say this a lot on your show, but, you know, you're literally in people's earbuds and it's something that people do habitually even more than they read blogs or keep up with newsletters. And I hear that so much when I go to events or, or chat with students, they'll say, you know, I just wait for your show to come out on Tuesdays, you know, and that's a relationship that I have with them that is very one-sided. So I think as a podcaster, it can be hard sometimes because there's not always that feedback loop because it is just audio that you're, you know, uh, putting up into the cloud. But there are people that are watching every week and building that relationship with you. So whatever it is that you sell or you do or is on the back end of your podcast, 
it's it's such an easy yes for those people because they already feel like they know you, they trust you, they have this relationship built with you. And a podcast is something that people binge listen to. You know, I've had people come up and say, Molly, I listened to a hundred of your episodes, you know, in a month. And that just doesn't happen on other mediums. So that's really why I think it's it's so special. It always makes my day when someone says, oh, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Like I hang out for it every Tuesday or whatever day yes. it comes out. It's very, very special. What What's fascinating of what you said there, Molly, why we do a video show here, I certainly find video is how a lot of people find us. Video is actually what we use to market the podcast. It's great because it gives us a lot of access on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. I love it. But audio is where those deep relationships are built. I will, sep- I will second you on that one. That is our finding and our data shows that as well. Yeah. So- and I would say that if I start another show, it definitely would have a video component for what you just said. I mean, being able to physically show the, the, uh, the show in Facebook ads or to even upload to YouTube. I mean, whatever you're looking to do, I think nowadays in 2015, a little less so, but the video aspect is is definitely key. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and it's exploding. We're seeing more and more shows doing that from there. But I'd love to kind of look into the next thing of there because, I mean, I would consider you a social media expert and a paid ads expert. Have you? How has social media played a role in you growing your own show? And how do you see it playing a role in growing podcasts in general? Yeah, great question. So, I will admit that we've done a pretty poor job of promoting the show via paid platforms, which is so interesting since it's a show about paid traffic. (laughs) The irony. The irony. (laughs) Um, We've been really lucky to have a ton of word of mouth, you know, to really have Digital Marketer as the publisher launch us to, you know, a, a really large audience right out of the gate. I mean, we were set up for success and I understand not everybody has that. And if that wouldn't have been the case, we definitely, you know, would be investing more money into paid advertising. But what we have done and what I find works really well because I have run ads for other podcasts, it's not great to show up in a Facebook ad in someone's newsfeed and say, Hey, I'm Molly. I have a show about, you know, Facebook advertising, you know, click here and listen, right? Because I mean, we're so inundated with information nowadays. It's like, great, here's another podcast I need to sign up for, or another newsletter I need to sign up for. So what I found that works great is taking specific epi- episodes that speak to a particular avatar and to some sort of in benefit that they want and running your ad all about this particular episode, right? And all about how it's going to to help, you know, that that particular avatar. So for example, uh, with perpetual traffic, we've taken a few episodes about running Facebook ads for local businesses because a lot of local businesses struggle with Facebook ads because there are nuances, you know, when setting up the campaigns that are different from online businesses. And so any content they can get their hands on, they get excited about. So we just pulled that episode out targeted local business owners on Facebook and you know provided this episode and then of course they become hooked because all the other episodes relate. So that's my biggest piece of advice and really what my experience has showed me that works the best, not necessarily just broadly promoting your show unless your show's like a a novel idea that no one's ever heard of before <laughs> where you're like wow, I have to I have to listen to that. But if you're in more of a competitive market it really works best to to speak to to a specific episode. 
That, that's really interesting there. So getting specific, maybe not promoting the show broadly, but taking your most successful episodes or relevant episodes to a certain audience and then getting very targeted with the ads. Now, Absolutely. Can I we mean, take that really a little bit deeper? Show. Yeah. I mean, if you were, for example, bidding on keywords, right, you're running Google ads and someone's typing in podcasts about podcasting, of course you want to be there, right? You want to bid on those keywords and, you know, receive that traffic. But when we're speaking more of like from a Facebook standpoint, I mean, Facebook's a virtual billboard and you have the most success with Facebook ads when you really know who you're talking to, right? With that ad, with that campaign, you're able to very specifically target them and you're able to offer them something, whether it's a podcast episode or your product or service or a lead magnet or a webinar, whatever it is you're wanting them to do, you're able to offer this as a way that will you know, specifically enhance their lives. So for the local business owners, that episode was going to help them figure out Facebook ads, which is something we know they've been struggling with. You know, I've run ads for health podcasts and we'll, for example, pull out an episode about the keto diet, even though the whole podcast is about healthy living, we'll pull out, you know, a keto episode and run that to people interested in keto on Facebook. So it's pretty simple, like product market match marketing. (laughs) But I think it's uh, really important to understand when promoting a podcast, because when you generally just just come out and say, hey, here's a whole show, you know, subscribe, listen. It, it, there's just not that much benefit for the end user there. And there is so much less likely to take that action. Yeah, there's no motivation or reason to take action now. I like that strategy, but exactly. one of the things I'd love to go deeper on, in this show, we do videos. So for me to execute on that strategy, what I could do is take this episode and then probably target Digital Marketer would be a good one for this episode. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but... If it was an audio show and someone doesn't necessarily have that advantage, how would you go about creating an ad then? Would that be maybe getting them to record a short video explaining the episode or would you use perhaps a still image or... Yeah. I mean, we've only had an audio show before. So we send all the traffic to the show notes page. page. That way we can pixel them right when they visit the website and they can also consume the podcast there on the page. Uh, But in terms of the ad, you should ideally in every Facebook ad set have really an image and a video as an ad because it will allow you to, you know, let's say your market is a pond of fish. All of those fish might be interested in yoga but some of them are interested and are more likely to engage with static images and some are more likely to engage with videos. So I try not to ever even say which one is better because I know I need both. So that said, you can definitely do a static image. We did. I think we had some sort of cartoon of like an old school local business and, you know, something to do with Facebook ads, like a little cartoon image we were using. Um, I see Amy Porterfield does a great job of running ads about her podcasts and she uses video, but it's not head to camera. It's just an image with the volume going up and down and transcriptions of what she's saying, you know, in whatever part they clipped out as the video. So that's another great idea for a video ad. Or if you're not doing video like you are, we are here, you could even just shoot like a quick, very native looking selfie video that's like, hey, you know, so and so here in this episode, you know, we'll teach you X, Y, and Z. 
click below to to listen to the podcast episode. And if you like this, subscribe to the show. So you got a lot of different options there. And I would try to have an image and a video if possible. You gave the absolute media buyer answer there, the unbiased view <laughs> on what ad to run. It's like, let the data guide you, make sure you're including different options. Well answered, Molly. I feel like that was very well answered. Thank you. I, I think it's very surprising these days where I almost feel like it's a roll of the dice on what ad type will work better with Facebook. Like sometimes images do better, sometimes videos do better. So not having that bias yeah. is a big advantage. And I think, you know, platforms like Facebook are becoming so much more sophisticated. I mean, the the AI is being further developed every day to a point where I would say in two or three years, we won't have to go in and do a lot of button clicking when it comes to the campaigns. We'll just have to be thinking about targeting copy, creative offer, the the real marketing assets that matter. And so I think that's what you're seeing nowadays. It's not necessarily about split testing everything and finding the winner. It's actually about giving Facebook the assets it needs to provide the best customer experience to give you the results that you're telling them that that they you know you're you're wanting out of your campaign. So I think that's a big shift that's happening, especially this year. And I think we'll see more of that in the coming years. And it's definitely, in my opinion, the the best way to think about how these platforms are working in 2019 and on. That's really interesting as well. I mean, we've even seen big changes from how it actually looks to create ads now. It's very different now than it has been from there. So on that topic of like changes to expect or how you are seeing things changing, you've already said one here, which I think is phenomenal. The idea that you can't just broadly promote your show of, hey, I've got a show about X, come and do this. You've mentioned Mm -hmm. about being specific. Is there any other things podcasters can keep in mind when wanting to use paid ads or social media for their show? I think the longer you have your show, the the bigger the tribe that you build, right? And I would say after about four to six months, we've really had critical mass of like, wow, we've got a great following of people here. And after that point, we started to do a lot of contests. So for example, we would do a contest for you know, two hours uh, strategy, two hour strategy call with all three of the hosts, you know, to work on your business or something that was valuable. We gave away like a bundle of books or just something that's valuable to the end user, but still applicable, like qualifying the audience. I don't like to give away like a MacBook Pro because any human would want to enter that, right? I want to give away something that the market's actually interested in. Like we ran a campaign at sewing.com and we gave away a sewing machine, you know, that very much qualifies the audience. So anyways, I just want to, whenever you're doing a contest, keep that in mind. But I think once you have an audience, I mean, even if you have 50 people listening or 20 people listening, um, it's shows and podcasts. I don't know if you're the same, but the podcasts I listen to are always the ones that people have recommended to me. So I think that even way more than blogging, because that's very SEO based, podcasting is very word of mouth. Um, you know, and of course, there are other traffic channels. So any campaigns like a contest where, you know, they opt in and they share with their friends, I think we have them shared on Facebook, Twitter, they got, you know, a unique email uh, link that they could send to their friends about the show. It entered them into this contest to win said thing. 
And we did that. We haven't done that actually in about six months, but we did that every six months or so for the first few years. And those contests were just great ways to help promote that you know, word of mouth that we know is already there. So I always like to think about with any business or project when it comes to traffic, you know, how can you go and acquire brand new listeners, right? So you can do that through Facebook, Instagram ads, Google ads, everything we just talked about. Um, But also, how can I get more new listeners out of the group of people I already have, you know? Um, And so I I would be thinking in terms of those two types of campaigns, you know, if I were you guys. How interesting. I actually have a a bench over here with a whole range of podcast mics to execute that. We're starting to run some contests. I love it. Yeah. Well, you've just made my day because I'm like, yes, we're doing something right. We've got this. This is our next campaign. But to dig into that, that's such a good point around the idea that, you know, we're much more likely to listen to a podcast that someone has recommended to us. And Mm -hmm. the competition um, is a great way to invoke that action, to create more opportunities for that to happen, which I think is a great way than just acquiring cold people. Yeah, you're incentivizing them to voice the thing they already feel. So they're likely to do it, you know, and I can't remember the tool right now, but we used a contest software that made it super easy. We could pre-write the Facebook copy we wanted them to post. Like, you know, I think it was like, hey, I've been listening to Perpetual Traffic and I recommend it to you too. So it's all stuff they're already thinking. You're just incentivizing them to take action to spread the message. Yeah, I like that. And there's probably some great tools out there at the moment. Now, I wanted to ask on the other side of things, was there anything you tried to grow the show that didn't work? Yes, we tried ads on other podcasts. And I'm not sure if we picked podcasts that didn't really have our audience. I'm not sure if we screwed up the actual ad. (laughs) Um, And or I'm not sure if I just had unrealistic expectations in terms of the amount of listeners or downloads we would get for the amount of money we paid. Also, it's hard to track. (laughs) So just explaining all of those variables. But yeah, we just didn't really find it to be the value that we thought it would be buying ads on other people's podcasts. I'm curious then because... That is something I think is going to get bigger and we see Spotify effectively trying to become the Facebook ads of the audio space. Do you think that as they introduce their platform and get better with the tracking that that's going to be something to watch for podcasters? Yeah, definitely, especially as they, you know, sort of commoditize the marketplace. You know, I tried this a few years ago when we paid, you know, a very large lump sum to another podcaster to record the ads. So it wasn't a marketplace like you're going to see with audio. So I definitely think there's a place for it because if someone's already listening to a podcast, well, they're definitely qualified. Now let's just pick some podcasts, you know, that we know are speaking to our avatars and position, you know, an episode or position our show. I'm sure the economics will work out as that becomes more of like a true marketplace. I'm very excited by that. Like even yesterday, I got an update from Spotify saying that they can do localized ads now, which means if I ran my podcast in the US and Australia, which I do, is I could take different offers or insert different audio ads in other people's podcasts, um, which I think is phenomenal. Exciting times. 
give it a shot. Let me know how that goes. And then I'll have you on my podcast to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested in that, by the way, if you know anyone who's, you know, really deep into buying audio ads, that's fascinating to me. We're we're doing it. I'm doing it now, but I think I'm more just spending money and seeing what happens. I haven't been able to yield something worth talking about and and we may address that in a future episode, but I will keep you updated on that one. Awesome. Thank you. So to kind of shift gears a little bit here, I wanted to ask with your show, you guys have created a lot of episodes and a lot of really valuable episodes. How have you decided what content to make? Mm. So we are definitely not as organized as you think we would be. (laughs) A lot of that is our personality and also the nature of the show. We're talking about stuff that changes week by week, you know, and every week we have new data coming in, new examples and case studies from clients. So we really like to record on a week to week basis. So we'll record on a Tuesday and that episode is recorded uh, the following or that episode is released the following week. Um, and Sorry, was that the question? I, I got off track there a little bit, I feel like. <laughs> no, you, you were very well, close there. How do we there. decide on content? Okay. Yeah. So normally what we do, we have an Excel doc with a bunch of different ideas, right? Because you always have new ideas that are coming up. A lot of the ideas just come to me in the moment. Usually when I'm working on students and I start to see the working with students and I start to see the same questions coming up, Or if I've launched a really interesting test or campaign that I want to share, you know, I might text Ralph the day before and say, hey, you know, we have this really timely thing we need to talk about. If that doesn't happen, then we go back to sort of the the list of ideas, right? And those come, like I said, listeners who have questions, uh, questions from students, any updates that we see from Facebook. So it's actually not super structured. We tried to very much structure it in the beginning. Like, okay, we're going to do two episodes that are content and training heavy, and then one that's a case study, and then two that are content and one that's a case study. And it just didn't work out that way. It didn't feel natural. So we will bring a guest on. Like if we meet someone, out in the wild or chat with someone who's doing something cool, Ralph and I will have a little conversation and say, yeah, let's get them scheduled. But we've really just tried to provide like what is the most interesting and timely information that needs to be shared with this audience about this topic this week. And, and that's the way that, that we've mostly operated. We do batch record sometimes more of those teaching episodes. We will record three or four episodes at once. And some weeks stuff happens, we're traveling or someone gets sick. Um, so we like to have those uh, you know, uh, in our pocket uh, it, because they can be used anytime. They don't really have information that's specifically dated, if that makes sense. It's a, it's a really difficult one. That question was very intentional because the timely nature of your show, it's like you could literally make an episode today that's irrelevant tomorrow. Um, Absolutely. So you've always got to be aware of that when releasing content, which you guys are, but it also makes it really hard to plan or bring guests in to cover a certain thing because it may not exist. So I was very curious about that. And then, of course, it's nice to hear you guys keep some backup because definitely doing traveling and getting up to all kinds of things. So you do a mix of episode styles, which might be, you know, just the hosts. There's even some solo ones and then there's guest ones. Have you found certain types of episodes do better? Have you seen any types do worse? Is there any insight into the actual content and performance? 
Yeah, I can't really see a difference. Um, I do get feedback download wise. I do get feedback that people love when we're just teaching, right? So it's like maybe on this episode, I'm going to teach you 10 copywriting tips. People really love that. I think sometimes the guests usually are speaking about some sort of niche topic. And so that's not always applicable to everyone. So those usually get a bit lower downloads. But I think it's because people shop podcasts like they do at the grocery store. You know, it's like, oh, that's about local business with, you know, Allie Bloyd. She sounds awesome, but I'm not a local business, so I'm not going to watch that or or I'm not going to listen. So it's the stuff, any type of update, breaking news, uh, of course, any sort of headline, like the the podcast title is everything, right? The, the, The episode title. I mean, that is the decision. That is really the only line of copy that most people are using to make a decision of whether they want to listen to the episode or not. So I would say from a marketing standpoint, that's been what we spend our the most time on. Ralph usually writes four or five episode title ideas, and I'll write a few, and then we pick our favorite uh, because we know that title has to be dead on, right? So you know, we'll either speak to results someone generated or you know, uh, hey, did you, most of you are doing this wrong, like, let's fix it, right? Or here's what's coming with Facebook in 2019, let's get prepared. So the, the title always very much speaks to the benefit of the episode, or is a bit curiosity based. Interesting. I was just about to ask that as I say, are we going for curiosity? And so curious, just to recap what you said there before I fumble over my own words, curiosity and result based are the two Mm -hmm. that you guys lean into predominantly. Yeah, absolutely. And I see, I mean, from big names, honestly, I see a lot of podcast titling that's pretty lame. You know, I'm like, ooh, we could do, (laughs) we could do better than that. Uh, But I just think it's so important because it's not only a we need to catch their attention type of thing and, and people are so busy and distracted, but you also need to really explain the end benefit or what the podcast is so that people don't... I, I've clicked on numerous podcast episodes where I read the the title and then I listen and it's like I'm not fulfilled, right? So it also needs to be truthful <laughs> or, you know, not that people are being untruthful, but I think you get what I mean. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm laughing in agreeance here, which I might have to get my audio guy to take out because maybe I laughed a bit hard there. But um, no, it's good. I, I was literally on a walk the other day and that exact same thing happened. Is there, you know, a promise in the title of the episode that I wanted? I wanted to know more about this. I'm in. Yes. And it was like, I started listening and it was a topical episode and the guest, it was like 30 minutes of their backstories and irrelevant questions. And then yeah, one and minute trying to find, yeah, the one uh, minute thing. And then I was like, Oh, that wasn't deep at all. That didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> and it's rubbed yeah. me out the wrong way. I won't listen to that show again, but um, just, it's so interesting to hear that because I'm in a bit of a unique position where we manage a ton of shows. Like we at Vala Media, we manage like 30 to more shows. And one of the things we see is how important the title is to the point where we've employed a copywriter to more heavily focus should. on titles. Yeah, I love it. And same thing here. Like we we have started doing I've realized that because we're recording the show, we usually understand the hook the best, right? Because we created it. 
So we always make suggestions on the titles. Sometimes it's changed, but we also have a copywriter do the show notes because they're thinking about SEO and all the, you know, uh, <laughs> all of the the tactical stuff there where a lot of our traffic has come from organic SEO, people searching about Facebook advertising and finding our show notes, which is amazing and trackable through Google Analytics. But yeah, I think when you're at that point and if you can do it, having a copywriter makes it so much easier. Oh, you better believe we're going to try and rank for your name after this. Um, <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> it's a really cool strategy. Like that's fascinating to hear as well. It's like you just mentioned when you've got a topical show to potentially take advantage of your show notes and rank for things, the topics you're talking about. One that's worked for us as well is actually ranking for the guest names. So that's something we've that's great. gone for. That's smart. Absolutely. Okay, well, I'd love to shift gears again here, but very insightful, very, very insightful to hear Great. your perspective on that. One of the things many podcasters struggle with is once they've got people listening to their show and regular subscribers, it's how do they take them into their email list or into their business offerings? So I can yeah. see a whole bunch of interesting things on perpetual <laughs> traffic, but I'd love to know your thoughts on how to move people from the podcast into that next step. Yeah, great question. I mean, first off, you've got to think about your podcast as just another traffic channel, right? So your podcast isn't a product and your podcast isn't something that you should be doing just for monetization purposes because it, it doesn't really work that way. It's because it's so relational. If you just feel like the whole show is a pitch fest, that's just not going to work for most humans. So, you know, I really think about perpetual traffic as I trust that the goodwill that I'm putting out there for free is going to come back to me and help my business. And I've seen that year over year, uh, just with people who verbalize it or buy my products and say, you know, I've been listening to the show for years. But that said, there are some strategic things that you can do. So first off, it depends on your business, right? So if your business is more of like a launch business, so say you, you know, sell some sort of information product and you launch it a few times a year, that's really similar to my business model. Ezra Firestone and I have a product called Train My Traffic Person. It opens twice a year. And so most of the year on perpetual traffic, I'm using the show to build goodwill. And then I know when I release those programs, when I open enrollment for the programs, those are going to be very special moments. And people are going to take it seriously because they don't hear a lot of ads from me. During that time, I you know, make calls to action to whatever lead gen we're using for the launch. I take the actual sales webinar that Ezra and I do and make it a whole episode. So I just shoot an intro. Hey, this is a webinar that Ezra and I did a few days ago. People love that. And I get you know the whole pitch on the back end. So maybe your business is that way, or maybe you're more of an evergreen business. And I think Amy Porterfield does this in a great way on her show. Like for every show, I'm not sure if it's still this way, but she has show notes that people can opt in for. So it's a lead gen strategy for every single episode. If they want the resources, you know, give your email address, right? Or even if she's not, this is a strategy that you guys could employ. And, you know, any resources or things of value that could be given in exchange for their contact information. I mean, on every show, that could be a call to action where you start to generate 
emails. I have used the show to also schedule calls with people that might be interested in attending a high-end live event that I I hosted. And a lot of the people that purchased that ticket uh, were podcast listeners. So you can also make calls to action that might be a bit deeper in your funnel than you traditionally would think about to cold traffic. Because again, you've got so many of these people that have been listening for a while. And so if you do want to ask them to get on a call, or buy something that's you know fairly expensive, that can be done, but I wouldn't make every episode a, a big pitch fast. So I don't know, is that helpful? I mean, there's just lots of thoughts, but there, it really depends on your business type, right? Like that's really what it starts with. And then think about how can I build this podcast, right? How, how can this podcast just be top of funnel information that of course leads into what I'm selling. So I'm teaching information about Facebook and paid traffic for free. People get value, like asking them to sign up with a four month for a four month mentorship where they get feedback from me and get to work with me in a group setting. That's a much easier ask than if I was to show up in a Facebook ad to people that have never heard of me trying to sell this $3,000 product. Um, So a, a lot of it is context, but it's also important to, if you have time, have some sort of promotional calendar also. So you can look at it and say, what is the topic of this podcast? What is the next most relevant resource or call to action that I have? that discusses this particular topic. Uh, those are the calls to action that, that usually work the best. My big takeaway there that I think is really valuable is the buildup of goodwill. I think this is something that can be missed. I feel many podcasters get a bit, little bit too direct response. They expect that, you know, straight in and straight by, where it's like it's that compound effect of goodwill, which allows us to capitalize there. I wonder, leaning into your point a little bit more, is that relevancy topic. So, for example, you mentioned the idea of maybe picking out an episode that's focused on Facebook ads for local businesses and then making sure that the resources that are associated with that episode, perhaps versus the show notes, Facebook ad related for local businesses. Like, I think the relevancy plays a huge role there as well. I was really curious to the end of that, though, because you mentioned many things that may suggest someone getting on an email list. How do you see emails playing a role in podcasts? Yeah, I mean, I think you can create an email list just for your podcast where you treat it like a newsletter and email that list when you have new episodes and things like that. That's not something we've ever done. Or you can just use the podcast as calls to action to entry points for your email list. Like, for example, you know, we did an episode about Facebook compliance and we put together a PDF that they could download. So the episode was about compliance. They download the PDF. We get their email address in exchange for this because it's further information that they want. And then the next offer that we make was a Facebook ads course, right? So, I mean, they get on the email list kind of as a part of that conversation that you're already having with them. And then from there, depending on the complexity of your email marketing, I mean, they could go into your overall broadcast list. You could just put them on a newsletter. You know, you could have a whole indoctrination series that runs over a few weeks, like really building that relationship if you want. But so yeah, you've got options. (laughs) Lots of options. And there are lots of ways to do it. Yeah. 
And then earlier in the show, you mentioned the idea of whenever you guys are sending traffic to your podcast, you're taking them to a website so that you can pixel them essentially, making sure you're not sending them to Apple where you don't get any kind of feedback loop or anything. Have you been taking advantage of that remarketing element and using it for the podcast or are you taking it to other things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we have these launches, those are audiences that I use. If we need to run any sort of evergreen campaign, they're great retargeting audiences. So that's a huge benefit. But yeah, you you can't look at podcasting as a direct response mechanism. It doesn't mean that it's less valuable. The value comes from consistency over time and building those relationships. So if you think about it transactionally like that, it's probably not going to be a fun ride. (laughs) I I just have to laugh to that point because um, I'm a paid ads guy. Like previous to this business, I had a paid ads agency and I came from the world of like, it's straight in and out. It's straight direct response. And yeah. then when you started running ads for podcasting, it is depressing. Yes. <laughs> yep. it's, it's a different ball game. <laughs> yeah. But once that compound effect kicks in and that consistency and building up of goodwill, you know, to frame it in your way, the results are amazing and very, very, how can I put this? I didn't expect it would be this good once we got to that critical mass point. It really makes yeah, a difference. Very rewarding and long lasting, uh, which most good things are. <laughs> they take a lot of work and time. So, Well, Molly, we're coming to the end of our time here. And I would like to know where can people go to find out more about what you're doing and what you're getting up to? Yeah, if you guys are interested, you can join the waitlist for the class that I mentioned at trainmytrafficperson.com. You can also find me at Molly Pittman on Instagram, Facebook. Follow me. Let me know you listened to the episode. Thank you guys. I had a blast. Charlie, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I felt like we were just having a conversation, (laughs) which, uh, you know, is what podcasting is. But yeah, this was this was fun. And I feel like we shared a lot of good stuff that hopefully helps a lot of you podcasters out there. Guys, it's well and truly worth following Molly in general. She gets up to some amazing things on social media and makes some fantastic trainings. We'll make sure we include links in the show notes as we usually do. Big thank you to Molly Pittman for coming on and being, well, frankly, just sharing so much and so many insights that often we don't get so easily. So big thank you there. This has been another episode of The Business of Podcasting. Thank <laughs> you.